Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Yes, God, that's what we say today, that we love the name of Jesus. We love the name of Jesus. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my strength. He's the one I adore. He's my all in all. You, I'm done. You may be seated. You may be seated if you can. How many of you know he's more than enough? He's more than enough. He's more than enough. Amen, amen. Just a few things before we uh, dig on in uh, to our message today. Um, I'm excited about how God used um, you all at the Diamond Festival yesterday. Amen. Let's give God a hand praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everyone involved, video teams and uh, different guilds of the um, Woke Church Think Tank and leaders and Every, just volunteers. If you volunteered in any way at the Diamond Street Festival, stand up. We want to acknowledge you real quick. Yeah. Thank each and every one of you for your service. You may be seated. Special thanks to Coco and Disha. Amen. Amen. For getting all that going. Amen. Now you can stand back up. Amen. It's my last Sunday for sabbatical, so I'm gonna need y'all to help me a little bit if you don't mind today. Oh, that, I didn't hear nobody else. Y'all gonna help me a little bit today? Y'all gotta help me a little bit today. We're in Psalm 34, verses 1 through 10. Let's read together on three. One, two, three. Let's go. Amen. Y'all, now, after you read that, you're going to help me a little bit today? Amen. Amen. Father God, what is life without you? What is it? Does it make sense? Makes no kind of sense. But with you, you piece together a mosaic collage of broken peaches that you stitch into a beautiful kaleidoscope of glory to your name. And so, God, help us today to be those who have a glorious disposition and hefty heart disposition towards you. 
Lord, teach us to practice what's in this text. Help this to be the disposition of our life no matter what. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, even in reading that passage, many of us think those are good Bible verses, but they're more esoteric to many of us because we don't understand that this should be a part of our practice as believers. As I was studying for this text, I usually go through all of my little work that I look, do, do, do to get my little sermon together and get my little offering together for Sunday morning to be able to bless the Lord and hopefully disciple some people and sh help people to be shaped in the image of Christ. And as I was, I, I do all of my personal study first. So I do all of, my, all of my word studies and do all of my different items that I do to work and get sermons ready. But after I do my own personal work that I do, um, one of the things that I end up doing is going to the commentaries. And I was flabbergasted that when I went to the commentaries, commentaries are resources that you use where people say stuff about the Bible. So some of y'all looked at me, I don't know what a commentary is, Pastor. And I looked at it, and interestingly enough, one background commentary didn't have one explanation of Psalm 34. As a matter of fact, most of, I'm talking about big old commentaries, when it comes to praise and when it comes to worship, um, it's interestingly enough that they don't have a lot of information out there on it, and I think I understand why. And the reason why is they are good at explaining stuff, but horrible at expressing stuff. In other, in other, in other words, in other words, we 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 get to the point. We get to the point to where we experience the. We want to express ourselves, and we want to know information. But when it's time to bless someone beyond ourselves. What begins to happen is our wrists are handcuffed. See, you're not going to like this message if you don't understand worship. Um, because worship for us isn't to make anyone else feel comfortable. Worship is something that the believer, we're not just talking about worship. I know, Spirit of God, worship is spiritual. Some of y'all say, well, worship is a lifestyle. Okay. Usually people that say that, though, are letting you know they won't open their mouth and say nothing to God ever. So they're trying to act like they have this transcendent disposition in their theological acumen of what it means to worship the Lord. But if God has ever done anything for you, if God has ever unleashed your life out of some mess, and if you've ever looked back over the corridors of your life and you've seen him work some stuff out that you didn't know could be worked out and some things that were bent that never got unbent, resources that came out of nowhere. Some of you can look back over your life and say, I remember the lean seasons and I don't know how I made it, but somehow the bills got paid. Somehow food got on the table. Somehow clothes got on my body. And as a matter of fact, somehow I didn't lose my mind. Bless, 
the Lord. If, you, if you're uncomfortable with blessing the Lord, you, you, you're not going to be comfortable today. Um, because this is a call to believers to understand one of the relational mechanisms that God through Jesus Christ has saved you to do and to be. And I love the psalmist here. It's David. And he's not embarrassed about expression. Now, there are certain sectors of the body where if somebody says, hallelujah, look at you, you, you ain't comfortable. It's like, oh, Lord, what in the world just happened? <laughs> but what's interesting, there are sectors of the body to where expression is seen as mere emotionalism. But if your theology and your understanding of God never takes you to go ballistic every now and then about his goodness and open expression, I would say your theology is pretty shallow. Because when you have a big God, you got to have big theology. And you know that your body isn't enough to express the glory of the expanse of his massiveness. But every now and then you will get just full just enough to say, I'm going to let this thing bubble over in my life and I'm going to open up my mouth and give him the fruit of my lips. I'm trying not to lose my voice too early. So the psalmist, David, the day of psalmist David, who's been through all kinds of stuff, he, he coins this to be a transseasonal psalm. And he goes here, which brings us to our first point on express yourself. If you're going to express yourself, number one, you got to recognize that expressive communication to the Lord is normal. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's normal. I, I want to help you today. Uh, uh, you know, I know some of my friends who believe in the regulative principle, you don't know what I'm talking about, inside Christian stuff, that, only, that barely believes in the organ should be in the worship gathering, drums and all of that's out of place, even though Psalms got a whole bunch of instruments in it, but they're saying this is the way to worship. In other words, we like our wiring better than we like the word. Now, now, now my Bible says, I don't know what you got in your Bible, but I'm looking at the verse myself. And the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be on my lips or on my mouth. That, that's many of you who, who, who got a little church in you. You know that that's what the worship leader would say. They would come out to the stage, flowing outfit. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. The humble will hear it and be glad, and they will bless everybody. Come, oh my God, find the Lord with me. And, and then everybody just jumps up because that's a call to worship. But for me, when you have your own relationship with the Lord, help me today, God. You don't need anybody to pump and prime you to begin to worship. Matter of fact, you should come through the door with your mouth open. You should come to the door with your hands up because the Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I like this, I like this. Now the interesting ideology of the verbiage here exegetically points to the fact that two things, it points to the fact, number one, I will point to the fact that it's an expression that you bring yourself about in this state. In other words, it means that you make the decision of the will to do it, you're not forced to do it. <laughs> that, that, means, that, means, that means I'm going to decide, come hell or high water, no matter what I'm going through, that I am going to see Jesus 
as bigger than where I am and who I am and where I am and what's around me. And I'm going to make, my, make it clear to my soul that I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. But it's interesting because it's in a t imperfect, which means it's a habitual action of the will that started some un uh, unclear time in the past. It's unclear when it started, but it has continuing effects in my present. But that means when he says, I will bless the Lord at all times, that means you're not going to let any season of your life get in the way of you seeing God. This is helpful for me. I'm not talking to you as somebody that's standing up here. Um... That, that, that they're sitting on four foes. You understand what I'm saying? You're not talking to somebody up here that, that, that's got on uh, diamond studded earrings and everything. I do have my ears pierced, I just don't wear them no more. Um, you're not sitting up here looking at somebody that lives in some type of mansion and, and that's wealthy, and I'm blessing him from a place of wealth. Help me today. I, I, I stand before you not putting focus on myself. My wife's in the hospital, but I made a decision. That, 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 that while she's yet, she and I made the decision that I was going to be here today. Help me today. Because of what Jesus has done. In, 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 other, in, other, in other words, in other words, the time to bless the Lord isn't the time when it's easy to. <laughs> see, see, some of us, see, some of us need a good circumstance or a breakthrough. But will you worship God when there's no breakthrough in sight? Will you worship God when your child is sick and there's nothing, you, you done laid hands and you done spoken tongues and you done prayed and nothing has happened. You've called off the word. You, you, when, when your bills are due and things are broken in your life and you've, been, you've got an education and can't get a job and you've been crying out to God, you've been walking in purity, you've been, you've been in celibacy for a long time and you've been like, God, I, hey, what in the world is happening? Why won't you bless me? There's a mess that I could have done right then and there. At that point in time is when you should open your mouth and give God the fruit of your lips and lift up the name of God in the midst of what you're going through. See, what makes you a believer is we don't wait till it gets good. See, that confuses people. As a matter of fact, it confuses your enemy. Why in the world would you bless a God that got you going through all that mess? Why would you bless a God that won't give you deliverance? Why would you bless a God who give, won't give you a breakthrough? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a sign, it's a sign that my relationship with God isn't based on where I am, it's based on who I am. I will bless the Lord at all times, all times. All times. Be careful of letting how you feel get in the way of who you are. You are a worshiper, but you're in a broken situation. You're not a broken situation. You're in one. You're in a situation that's falling apart. You're a worshiper, so you're not falling apart. You can be perplexed, but you can't despair. 
You can be struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in your mortal body. I will bless the Lord at all times. Believer, pick your cross up with tears in your eyes and splitters on your back and you drag your cross down the street and you let the city see the dragging splitters of a believer that's walking down the street and pieces of shrapnel from the wood of your cross will be a testimony for somebody to step on and see God. I will bless the Lord at all times. Have you done it yet? Have you learned the lesson yet? You don't have to wait till the battle is over. You can open up your mouth and give them the fruit of your lips right now. Huh. For y'all who are visiting, Epiphany don't usually get like this, but it needs to. Help me today. Help me today, God. Um, says I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue to be in my mouth. I like this next one. Now, I like the translation that says, my soul will make its boost in the Lord. Ah, that's good stuff right there. Now, when you talk about soul, family, soul is the place that's deepest in you where the real is. <laughs> In, in, in other words, you're not blessing him with your body. Your body is only a response of your soul. Now, in order to really appreciate what it means to boast from your soul, you got to know what's there. Your soul, family of God, is an interesting place because it's the place of your deepest thoughts. Your soul is where your convictions are. Your soul is where your value is. Your soul is where you feel your affliction the most deep. Your, your, your soul is where your hurts dwell and they settle and they meditate. Your, your, it's where your pains are and where your victories are and your triumphs are and your failures are and your dreams are. But it's interesting that he says my soul, the place where I'm surrounded by who I really am, I boast. Why do you boast from the place where you really are? You boast from the place where the real is because you can act how you want on the outside, but your soul knows the real you. And in the midst of all of the things that, that clutters your suke, you can look up and bless the Lord. Why? This is good. Because on one side as a believer, you see the holiness of God. On the other side, you see the sinfulness of man. But there's a bridge. There's a bridge that's called the gospel. And the gospel doesn't pull holiness and sinfulness together. What the gospel does is it changes the sinfulness to be approachable to the holy. And when you think about your hurts, and when you think about your pains, and the place where God is really changing you, you have nothing to boast in because you know who changed you. And since you know who changed you, 
You say, man, if it had not been for God keeping me in my mind, if it had not been for God who allowed me to be afflicted, if it had not been for the love of God helping me to get over that broken relationship, I drank myself into a stupor and he still loved me. I smoked myself up. Y'all better be real. And he still loved you. And he snatched your little crazy, ugly behind in the spirit up and made you holy for his namesake. And so you said, I can't boast in where I am because I boast in the Lord. The Bible says in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, he says, let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands the Lord. That's why you boast. You boast because you know him. You boast because you understand him because that's something that's a gift. So when you know and understand him and don't worship, you do the gift damage. I got to move. He says the humble will hear it and be glad. I like that. The word can be translated oppressed or those who are needy for God. <laughs> Lord, help me. In other words, when you got one needy person that's broken and everybody know they're needy, but yet they still express themselves to the Lord, another needy person will look at another needy person who's going through the neediness of the brokenness of their issues and going through the place where all their needs get met. And then when they hear it, they're able to recognize it because they're just as broken as the person that's already worshiping in the first place. So what they end up doing is they begin to have a disposition that helps them to join the person that's already worshiping because both of them are needy and they took themselves to the needy place. And therefore, the other person that's needy says, why don't I join them in the place of need? <laughs> and when you look at the reality of what's happening here, David says, now I'm going to bless the Lord, but are you? I like it right here because now he gives an invitation and see it's okay to invite people who aren't worshipers to worship let me say that again you're supposed to invite others who are believers to worship he says proclaim the Lord's greatness with me let us exalt his name together okay so I used to you know I you know how you see stuff and you see people worshiping or what you would call maybe worshiping. You say, oh, that's cultural. They just in an emotional frenzy. But this is actually a biblical verse that I believe people use. Come here, come here, Vernon. Come here, come here real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. Come on, stand right here. Stand right here. Go ahead and dance in the Lord. Just dance. Get your dance on, Doc. There you go. All right. They say, oh, magnify. See what he's telling me while he's dancing and blessing the Lord? Is he's telling me, oh, magnify the Lord with me. So I'm watching him. Now I've seen this online. I've seen somebody come way from the back and they, they got excited about the other person. And what they did is they put their hand beside them and then they start dancing together. They just start blessing the Lord together and they start to honor his name together. Why? It's not emotional. It's like, listen, this is a good thing we in. Get on this ride with me and let's bless the Lord together. It's not cultural. It's biblical. Next time you see, listen, some of y'all, see, it says proclaim. Now, it didn't say, thank you, Lord. Now, the Bible says, shout to the Lord with what? The voice of triumph. Help me today, God. 
In other words, when you don't feel like you've won, know because of Christ you already won. Uh-uh, y'all ain't with me. And so what you do is you shout. Now I, if, now, I don't know, but let me give you exegetically what the word shout in the Hebrew means. It's deep. It means shout. It means Shabbat. Now, if you understand what Shabbat means, Shabbat means you got to take you a nice gully, deep breath from your diaphragm. You take a deep breath and you open your mouth and you prepare something beautiful because the Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. It said noise. In other words, you should have a disposition where you should be noisy and outlandish and wild. <laughs> that means that I don't care how you wired. Wiring has nothing. I'm, when I'm wired to, I'm more of a high eye. You know, I'm introverted on the Myers-Briggs type indicator. God doesn't care nothing about your little personality thing. He didn't, change, he didn't save you for you to submit to your personality. He saved you to give you a new personality. Tell me about your little personality. He said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. I don't know about you, but it's nothing like reaching out to God by faith with tears in your eyes, begging God. And every now and then he'll give you a holy kiss from heaven and he'll give you a sense of deliverance and he'll bring you out of something when you seek him. I love the fact that you can bless him at all times even if he doesn't do something. But what's beautiful is the fact that every now and then I can seek him and he'll actually do something. So I can bless him when he doesn't do anything, but I can also bless him when he does do something. I'm gonna lose my voice. Help me today. I got one more service, but he's just good and his mercy endures forever. <laughs> I sought the Lord and he heard my cry. I like that. I like that I got a God I can call out on and he'll answer me. I like a God that I can call out on and he'll hear me. I love the fact that we have this type of God. It says verse 5. It says those who look to him are radiant with joy. In other words, you gleam with satisfaction. Joy means unending satisfaction with God no matter what. That's what it means. Joy means that you can be in a joyless situation, but guess what? You can still have joy. Now, I like euphemistically the song by Dorinda Clark Cole, where she says, going back to the can take back what he stole from me. We know the devil don't really have our joy, but euphemistically, sometimes it feels like he does. Now, really, it's not that you have to go to the enemy's camp and get anything because the enemy can't take your joy. What he can make you do though, is make you forget you already have it. And so, and so what he'll do, what the, see this is the enemy's trick. The enemy's trick is to put blinders on you to make you think you gotta get what God has already given to you. And so what you have to do is let the enemy know in your soul, really the enemy is the enemy. 
not the enemy. But really, if you stop listening to him, the only enemy is enemy. So therefore, I talk to the enemy that's enemy that I'm going to bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. And I'm going to be satisfied with God no matter what. I'm not going to let sickness make me close my mouth. I'm not going to let brokenness make me close my mouth. I'm not going to make things that I pray for that God hasn't done make me close my mouth. <laughs> ah. Says... In verse 6, it says, the poor man cried. I like that. And the Lord heard him and saved him from his troubles. David is calling himself a poor man. Now, you have to understand this, family. Being poor here isn't about money. It's about your soul. That's why the Bible said, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's possible to be naturally wealthy and spiritually impoverished. But David, in his impoverished state, it's because he said, this poor man, he, he said, this way got personal. He writing a psalm, but he made it real personal. He says, this poor man, he said, in me having nothing, he said, what I did was I cried out to the Lord and he heard and saved me from all of my troubles. You can't, you, listen, no matter how low you go, you can't go lower than God's hand. Some of you are in some low places right now. But see, if you knew the secret of praise, if you, knew, if you just knew the secret of praise, you would learn, see, see, we don't learn this in, in, in certain circles of Christianity because we think it's emotionalism. But, but, but when we get to the spiritual warfare series, I'm going to talk about the weapon of praise. And if you knew what praise was able to do, well, you, you can literally shift the atmosphere of where you are. You can get mad at me if you want to, but I love to shift the atmosphere. I was up in my office, they laugh at me. But I'll turn me up some music real loud, and I'll just, I'll just, I, because I'm really, really down. And I'm like, dang, crazy week. Got to do this, got to do that. I said, you know what? Let me get my garment. And I put on this garment. You may not know what it is, but I'll tell you in a second. And that garment is a decision. And that decision is that for the spirit of heaviness, I said, I'm going to take that off and put on a new garment. The garment of praise is pretty light. That's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart and you will find rest for your soul. When I put on the garment of praise, I'm telling you right now, what I was thinking about gets lighter. What I'm going through gets lighter. It may not go away, but I don't feel the same weight of it because praise is the way you give God what you try to bear yourself. You can't bear it. That's why there was a cross. You can't. Stop trying. Let me tell you something. The secret of being a Christian is be weak. Y'all gonna look at me funny. See, many of y'all tell somebody, you gotta be strong. That's not the secret of strength in the Bible. Because in the Bible, 
in your weakness, you're made strong. I got to move, y'all. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him. Now, this is where we get rid of the excuses. Because we need to stop saying, I know I'm not perfect. Because what that is, is that's a way of us denouncing pursuing holiness. Help me today, God. So when you overstate your imperfection, you're really focusing on you and your ability to make your life right. It doesn't exalt God. We all know we ain't perfect, so you ain't got to put that on repeat. But the text says, the text says this, the Lord encamp around, camps himself around, the angel of the Lord around people who fear him. What does that mean? It means to take God seriously. If you don't take God seriously, he won't put no hedges around you. You can be saved and out on your own. You, you, listen, listen. It, it means a stand in awe of God to take God seriously and to be loyal to him. That means that you don't use a difficult time as an opportunity to while out. See, 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 one of the things we try to do is when God don't come through, I know God's going to forgive me, so I will. That is an unsaved, ungodly, unbiblical disposition to embrace unholiness as a mechanism for self-enjoyment. Self because you can't do anything that's outside of the will of God that will bring you joy and enjoyment. It actually makes your trial worse. So instead of running to evil, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. You got to watch what you run into. That's why you fear the Lord. And what God will do is he'll encamp around you in a way that you've never seen before. He'll come around you in some way. Now somebody said, well, the gospel said, no, stop gospeling it out. That's false theology. Let me explain something to you. I'm going to say this real quick. There's a gospel-centered theology out here that's gospel-centered. And then there's one that's ungospel-centered. There's one that acts like works aren't a part of the way God empowers you to live right. The gospel empowers you for righteous living, doesn't just bless you in spite of it. Now we know that in spite of, that God takes us, but you have to understand that God saved you for holiness. He did not save you to be a mess. I gotta, I gotta close this sermon out. He says, you who are holy ones, fear the Lord, for those who fear him lack nothing. One of my favorite verses when I feel discouraged of faithfulness is Psalm 8410. He says, Psalm 8410, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. <laughs> Verse 10. We got to preach holiness again, family. Verse 10. It says, young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will not lack in any good thing. How does he tell us to seek the Lord? Bless him at all times. When you bless the Lord at all times, family of God, you have a transseasonal relationship with God. Let me say that again. 
when God has made your life for you to experience all different types of seasons. That's on purpose for the believer so that you can know how to be consistent when things aren't working out like you want them to work out. See, I don't have to preach to you how to act in a good season because you already know how to do that. I have to preach the antithesis to that. I have to preach to you how to act when things ain't going right. Because you have to know that in light of what Christ has done for you, you have been empowered to be able to withstand multiple seasons. I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. Um, my wife and I, you know, I grew up in D.C., went to Texas for years, about a decade, was in the South. And it was weird to me because when you grow up up here, um, it's four seasons. Four. Winter, spring, summer, fall, right? Or awesome, right? You go down there, it's mostly two. So I went down there with Butter Tims. This is like in the 90s. Champions hoodies. Y'all know nothing about that. You know, skull caps. You know, wool knitted jones. You know, um, insulated gloves. Thermal, thermal draw, you know, thermal jones. You know, I went down there, man. It's 70 on Christmas. 70 on Christmas. And what's interesting is that down there, you only have two seasons. In, on the West Coast, they only really have a season, right? <laughs> but if you come from the West Coast or to the South, to the Northeast or to the Midwest, you're not ready for all of the seasons that are there. But what you have to do is you have to learn, and we had somebody that had to learn real quickly. We had to teach them what triple fat goose was when they came up here. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry. But we had to teach them that when it's winter, you wear this. When it's spring, you wear this. When it's summer, you wear this. And when it's fall, you wear this. In other words, you need to be prepared to wear the right thing in every single season that you're placed in. And when you learn how to put on the right thing in the right season, you don't let the seasons frustrate you because you already got a closet full of stuff that helps you to do what you need to do in whatever season you're in. Well, praise is that type of outfit. Lifting up the Lord is that type of outfit. Blessing the name of the Lord gives you the ability so when it gets hot outside, God will be your spiritual air conditioner. When it gets in the fall, God will help you to pick up some stuff that fell down in your life through worship. When the winter comes and you get cold, God in praise will warm you up. And in the spring, you'll experience some blooms and some challenges. But the beauty of being in Christ is you get to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth no matter what season you're in. No matter what season you're in. You better learn it. Right now, we're in the winter season. I'm in the winter season. So guess what you do? Go get your winter praise. Then what you begin to do, praise reminds you of certain things. When you get in God's praise, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be tripping right now. I should be counted all joy, my brethren, when I encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work in you. And if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God. Praise reminds you 
of what God wants you to know practically to do in every season of your life. It reminds you of the glorious voice of God based on the word of God, based on your experience of God in his presence. Yeah, you have to learn as a believer to how to constantly live in God's presence. And when you worship the Lord and you worship with biblical songs, not some old, you know, stuff where it's just talking about fulfilling your dreams, your destiny, your purpose. If one more person preaches or sings about that, I'm going to scream in 10,000 tongues. But your destiny is to be faithful. Father, it's good to know. Love the way David, Lord, continued to sing the word because in worship, he was reminded of the word. <laughs> God, many of us go through many times, many seasons, and many challenges, but you have been good to us. And our role is to acknowledge that goodness no matter what we're going through. That doesn't mean we're not real with some of the brokenness that we're dealing with and being honest with you about that. Because a part of worship is lamenting as well. <laughs> Yet, our lament can't be our constant reality. It's a part of our worship. God, maybe someone here has never met the one who we've been talking about. Christ came to change your relationship with God. And he does that through taking on the wrath of God, God's anger, that he has towards every one of our sins that he has a right to be angry with. Christ took on our sin and became a sin bearer, what we call a propitiation, vicarious suffering. He took our place on the cross and was brutally murdered by humanity. They didn't know, but he was currency for God's wrath. Meaning, that it's the language that God speaks to have himself paid for what we should have paid for forever in hell. So God provided the sacrifice and he didn't spare his own son so that he would spare us. Spending eternity separated from him. If you're here today and you wanna place your confidence in him, Jesus Christ died on a cross and he got up from the grave, bigging up his victory over sin, death, and the grave. As, and as an accepted, as accepted by God that his wrath was satisfied. If you're here today and you want to put your...
Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.